Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello and welcome to the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Um, this is going to be maybe less of a funny episode at points than other episodes. Uh <clears throat> I'll, I'll start with this. Uh, my show in Bremerton got canceled, so I think that on the 17th, which is Friday, I will be doing two shows. I'll be doing guest spots for two shows at Laughs Comedy Club in Seattle. Uh, my One of my favorite comics in the world, Gabriel Rutledge, will be out there. Um, it's it's going to be a blast. Uh, he's an amazing comic, so come check him out. Um. Thank you, by the way, for sending in voicemails. People sent in voicemails last episode. I thought they were really fun. We have a couple more that I'm going to play on this episode. Thank you for that. I really like it. 253-237-3217. Yeah, we'll play a couple more on this one. And then the, the well is running somewhat dry. It's not completely dry. I won't play them all, but let's... Let's send a couple more voicemails. And if you already sent one, I'm fine. If you send another one, that's okay. Um, okay. So last week I canceled some comedy shows and I alluded to a possible reason. I think it was pretty obvious the way that I described it, what the reason was, uh, we had at my Thanksgiving, a person test positive for COVID. Um, that, that person, I actually, I'm trying to I don't know what they're, I don't, I, so this is the, this is, this was the deal at our Thanksgiving. Every person that came was vaccinated or at least told us they were vaccinated. We we didn't check cards at the door. My daughter was the only person, my two-year-old daughter was the only person there who was not vaccinated. Um, and yeah, so I found out while I was in Spokane that we had this positive test. Now, I had not been near this person basically the entire night. And so, uh, everyone tested, we all tested. I've, I've had rapid tests for a while and we all tested negative. We tested my daughter. She tested negative. Um, I came back on Monday, my wife and I, I did a test on Monday. I was still negative. Uh, we went out, had a good time. My wife tested also, by the way, she was still negative. And then Wednesday I was, my wife got home and she had had a stressful day at work and she was a little bit, um, she didn't feel great, but it was like, you know, could it be the, could it be the, the stress? What, what was it? <clears throat> Cause there was a lot. We're also like, you know, back in the swing of work after having some days off and, uh, I was preparing to go to my comedy show, my show at uh, airport tavern, which I do every Wednesday. 
and I was supposed to headline it. And I said, well, hey, uh, could you please take a test now so that if I if if you for some reason are positive, um, which we did not expect, I can start making plans now. And then we start, you know, there's like a lot of shit that happens in your life. I now know because my, she did test positive. My wife tested positive. I'll leave that. And uh, I will, we don't need to um, play up the suspense uh, today. So my wife and daughter both tested positive. Uh, my wife was negative and I guess we'll pull all the suspense out. I've tested every single day since then. We bought a bunch of, uh, when I started doing road comedy again and those, um, and those rapid tests became available and inexpensive. I bought, I don't know, like 10 of them. Cause I was like, yeah, I'll just take, I'll take two every time I come back from uh comedy on the road. I'll take one the day I get back and I'll take one a couple days later just for peace of mind. And then we've had a couple, like we've had a couple, uh, close calls. And, uh, I, so I keep just, I keep stopping this to give you like all the fucking caveats. Cause everyone's so sensitive about everything and thinks they can dictate every, what everyone else does and can judge everyone. So we did all the right things. I'm, uh, fully vaccinated and boosted. My wife is fully vaccinated and boosted. I have Moderna. My wife has Pfizer. Um, my entire family's, uh, vaccinated. Um, the, the oldest people in our family are boosted. We had a person test positive. We went through all of the precautions, uh, testing in like literally testing, uh, multiple times, which is the, I think the protocol. And then when my wife tested positive, we quarantined and spent, um, we're right now at day. She tested positive on Wednesday. Today's Tuesday, which would be day seven since she tested positive. Maybe it's day six. Uh, it doesn't matter because we're going to, my wife's allowed to go back to work on Friday, presuming she like feels good and she's negative. She, she has tested negative and feels fine. So, um, that's a lot of preamble to get to she, so she tests positive. She doesn't feel good for a couple days. Uh, we did not, the, we've, I made this kind of pact and this is maybe like a toxic masculine pact, but, um, especially if my daughter ever got it, like, what are we going to do? We can't, we can't quarantine from our daughter. And especially, I will say this, by the way, uh, my daughter didn't lose a fucking step. She, she somehow she's smart enough. She's a little older than two and she's smart enough that she picked up on the fact that she was quote unquote sick, but she showed no signs that she felt sick. She was running around like crazy. She never had any respiratory issues. She actually on Monday at daycare, she had like, she was sneezing, but we had tested her. She was negative as of, I think Monday, maybe it was Sunday, but and no fever, none of the other stuff. My wife was sick. Um, she was just fatigued for like three days. Never really had any um, any respiratory issues. Never had a fever. She took, she had a headache. She took, uh, what's that shit called? Dayquil. Just basically to treat the headache. There was no respiratory, 
no coughing, no sneezing, none of that. And then the only precautions we took are that, uh, um, I mean, the only precautions, extra precautions we took that we obviously, we quarantined in our house. By the way, there's like a fucking cargo plane going over my house right now. Uh, the only extra precautions that we took were, um, we have a four bedroom house. One of the bedrooms I use as an office and podcast room. One of them belongs to my daughter and the other is a guest room. And I slept in the guest room until my wife tested negative. Um, maybe, maybe one extra day. I can't remember. So, um, but yeah, like I didn't, it's not like I wore a mask inside with my family. I took care of my daughter still. I, my daughter has, uh, like loves to, uh, give and receive kisses. So I tried to like, you know, avoid catching saliva or droplets or whatever. But again, it's like I, I tested every single day because my pledge at the beginning of this was if one of us gets it, um, we're, the other one's getting it or we're not getting it because of, I mean, we, we were like very careful by the way, pre-vaccination. I did one road weekend. It was funny. <laughs> this is like, this is like, uh, blowing. I'm a, I guess I won't say who the person was though. I think you could probably go back and figure it out if you wanted to badly enough. Uh, I did a road weekend with a comic and we both like admitted to each other that we were vaccinated. <laughs> we had gotten the first dose. <laughs> it was like, because do you remember like now the thing is if you're not vaccinated, people get mad at you. But at the beginning, um, people were thought you were cutting in line and, uh, technically I did not cut in line, but I did, I got the dose as early as I could, as early as one became available for me, I took it. And, uh, I took the, I literally took the second dose on the day that I was able to take the second dose. And I got the booster like, uh, a couple days after I was able to get the booster. So, um, anyway, I thought, you know, when the, when the, I've said this on this podcast before, but I thought when the, when the vaccines came, like it was kind of the end. And that has obviously proven not to be true. In fact, I mean, we had a breakthrough case. So, and I, let me, let me clarify, because I think I talked about the Thanksgiving a little bit before. Uh, this is, I'm fucking giving you like a very bad, like a Tarantino's first draft of this story, but we had 22 people over for Thanksgiving. Uh, biggest group we've ever had. It was like, uh, you know, coming out of the, coming out of quarantine. It was like, you know, last year we had my in-laws only over. And so, and that was, by the way, we all like not quite quarantined, but like soft quarantined for two weeks in advance of that to make sure that none of us, and we all tested, we all got tested. So, uh, um, we've been very cautious and my wife got a breakthrough case and the breakthrough case was mild. I think it was mild. I don't know what the what the average symptoms are, but there was never a moment where we felt I did. Um, I did look up because, oh man, I keep bouncing around details. We had 22 people over. The only person that we know was unvaccinated. We are 
under the impression that everyone else else is vaccinated. The only person we know is unvaccinated is my daughter. So there were 21 vaccinated people there. Um, one person tested positive the next day, and we had one infection from that. Even though we were all indoors together for hours, and there was, I mean, you know, there was no precautions being taken because we were all vaccinated, and because, and I, and I, uh, I've said in the past that I we I wish these facts like we we should be able to agree as vaccinated people that we wish they worked better. the The performance of the vaccines has been somewhat disappointing, and if you can't admit that, I feel like it's a very partisan. It has to be a very partisan reason you can't admit that because. However, but however, we had 21 people, tw- uh, one of them was, I mean, we have like a great, a great, unfortunately a great experiment of the effectiveness of the vaccine, which is there were 20 people vaccinated around a person who was COVID positive and only one breakthrough case. 95% of the vaccinated people at this party did not contract COVID-19. Um, so to go back to, uh, to go back to the, back to the middle, where are we at? We're so all over the place in this fucking story. We've been at the end. We've been at the beginning. My wife has this, um, oh, and the, so the other thing is my daycare, my, my daughter's daycare had a, they had shut down a different classroom because there was a positive COVID test there. And then the day we found that out, we had to tell him, like, my wife tested positive, our daughter tested positive. I also want to make this clear, by the way. I normally don't talk about my wife and family in these specifics, but I think that it's like, um, I mean, first off, uh, I have a lot of opinions on, the, oh, the, the other funny thing is, I found this out as I was in Spokane, working with a comic named J.P. Sears, who is a right-wing comic or is a is a conservative comic by today's standards and who is very vac- vaccine skeptical. And um, I would say, and my suspicion is, is that he would actually, I think if you caught him not on stage, not giving the most, you know, kind of extreme opinion for effect, I think that, uh, I got vaccinated because I wanted to be vaccinated. Um, let's talk about these vaccines. Let's talk about it. I wish they were better. I do think that the fact that my wife and I were vaccinated contributed to me not becoming infected. I actually think that I have both natural immunity and three times, um, I'm three times vaccinated. And so, uh, I think that contributed to, I think all those things contributed to me not getting it. My wife probably being three times vaccinated, I think led to a mild case that resolved quickly. Um, the fact that nobody else in my family got it is obviously, and I have people in my family who are like, uh, and also everyone's testing, which I'm very proud of. We, 
Um, I gave a couple tests to my dad. My mom has some tests. The uh, My in-laws purchased some tests. Everybody's testing, which is good because there's a... I'm, let me play this thing. Let me see if I can play it because I got, I got extremely annoyed today when I saw this... Um, Jen Saki, I think is how you pronounce her name. She's the White House press secretary. <clears throat> I got extremely annoyed by this. Let's let's see if I can play this. Look at what we've done over the course of time. We've quadrupled the size of our testing plan. We've cut the cost significantly over the past few months. And this effort to uh, uh, to push uh, to ensure insurers are you're able to get your your tests uh, refunded means 150 million Americans will be able to get free tests. Though. Why not just make them free and give them out to, and have them available everywhere? Should we just send one to every American? Maybe. Then, then what? Ha then what happens if you if every American has one test? How much does that cost? And then what happens after that? All I know is that other countries seem to be making them available for in greater quantities for less money. Well, I think we share the same objective, which is to make them less expensive and more accessible, right? Uh, every country is going to do that differently. And I was just noting that, again, our tests go through the FDA approval process. That's not the same. $2 is what it costs to make an antigen test. The at-home antigen tests are considered 84% accurate. I think that they are more likely to produce a false negative than a false positive. That is not good. That is not the direction you want the mistake to be. You want the mistake to be this, by the way, we're all, we're coming off the news, finding out that Donald Trump knew he was COVID positive when he debated Joe Biden. I don't even want to talk about that. Uh, and I'm, in fact, I think this is the problem is our COVID rhetoric has become so fucking partisan that we're, uh, we're like, nobody can admit that what this lady's saying is garbage. Two bucks to make a COVID test Two dollars which means that if you every day sent every american an antigen test uh and i believe that's the cost to put together the kits and you could you could certainly i've done a bunch of these tests now you could certainly send the swabs in bulk the tests in bulk you don't need this enormous packaging if you're doing the 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 testing solution in bulk the packaging for these, the single-use packaging is expensive. The 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 marketing and all that bullshit is expensive. I'm gonna pull up a calculator, but so two dollars, three hundred thirty million. I'm gonna I'm gonna struggle to to figure this out. But two times three hundred thirty million is six hundred sixty million. Let's see, what's two trillion? I think you might understand. Oh, my calculator won't even go out that far. Two trillion dollars to buy a lot of fucking days of test is my point. And if if this this is what I thought was gonna end up being the fucking I didn't think that a vaccine was gonna come as quickly as it did. And I thought mass widespread systematic testing, be it once a week, once a once a day. How many fucking days does two trillion dollars buy you if it costs six hundred sixty million dollars a day? Do we have production capacity for that? I don't know. Maybe we don't. I don't know, but $660 million a day divides into 2 trillion many fucking times. It's, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying, I think it's like 150 days or something like that. I, my, I'm, I might be, I might be, um, fucking up my math, but why? Yeah, this is the, the fact that that got dismissed and it's been, it's been beneficial for us to have, we pay, this is what we pay. Um, walmart.com, you can get them for 14 bucks. 
uh, for two tests. So seven bucks a piece. For me, I'm in a position where I can afford to spend. This is the joke that I've been telling, but it is 100% true is when I was worried about having COVID, I tested once every single day. And on days that I wanted to drink, I tested twice because I didn't want to. I was like, if I'm still negative at night, I can at least justify a little bit of alcohol, which can't be good for your, your immune response. But that's a, that's such a, that's such a horseshit answer. Obviously the, the news of Donald Trump juxtaposed to that is, is really bad. I mean, this is the person who was obviously ignoring the well-being and safety of the people around him. And by the way, I mean, this is, this is the, there was a part of the story is that he called Chris Christie and the only thing he gave a shit about was, um, was whether or not Chris Christie was going to say that he was the one that gave him COVID. And some of these, some of these white house events became super spreaders. And, you know, I don't know how many people are like, I will say we tested a lot. And if it weren't for us having these at home tests, I mean, my wife probably didn't feel bad enough the next day to not go to work. Um, and were it not for these rapid tests that we had at home that we purchased in advance in preparation for a moment just like this, my wife probably goes to work the next day. It probably takes two or three days to schedule a test. How many more contacts does she have at that point? Put some fucking tests in people's hands. And yes, absolutely for free. We're throwing literally trillions and trillions of dollars at this fucking this problem and it's all going to fucking large corporations the majority of the money is not going to people to the taxpayers to the individual taxpayers and of course we also need the infrastructure i'm not i'm not a fucking uh i'm not a fucking i'm not a, what do they call that? Like, is it an essentialist? I don't think that it's a simple problem to solve that those $2 trillion that they are, should necessarily all go to the people. But what I'm saying is, is first off, the, the, it fucking blows my mind that we're almost two years into this and people keep pretending like there's an easy solution out there. There's not. If you think there's an easy solution out there, there's not. There's no country that isn't, I mean, truly committing crimes against humanity who has not, who has gotten this thing completely under control. Do you think we're, we're fucking two years in and Australia's putting together quarantine camps that they will for, and I'm fine. I mean, maybe my facts could be slightly wrong on this or could be very wrong, but my understanding is they're forcibly making people go to these quarantine camps. They're, uh, the, benefit of getting vaccinated in Australia was like you get an extra hour of outdoor time each day. China's China was fucking welding people's doors shut. This is not the type of society that we want to live in, in my opinion. So yeah, this is like kind of my, my, I would say that my, I'm going to give a stance. I'm going to give a hard stance my exact feelings on 
this, which are, I am in favor of the vaccines. I think it's, I actually think the rollout's been pretty impressive. Uh, we're at a point where I think vaccines are available to everybody that wants them and boosters are available to everybody that needs them and most of the people that want them, maybe all the people that want them. We have therapeutics coming. We have therapeutics that are already working pretty well. I did a little bit of research on that, by the way, because... At the beginning, my wife tests positive, and I'm like, fuck, I could have my whole family test positive. And so I was like imagining this nightmare scenario where my mom and dad both have to go to the same monoclonal antibody clinic and have a like an awkward – because I think it's like – I don't understand how it works exactly, but I think it's similar to like dialysis where you have to sit at a machine and get infused with antibodies for a while. And I, this this nightmare scenario where my divorced parents are like sitting across from each other, tethered to these machines that are saving their lives. <laughs> I did the I did research on that, and and I uh, I've said this on this podcast before, but if I got it, and especially like if my wife or I was having a severe reaction to the virus, I'm trying fucking everything. Okay, I don't give a fuck what is politically acceptable at that point yes i'm taking the i word i don't give a shit i'll take the it's i'll take that i'll take uh whatever the monoclonal antibodies the new i'd love to be on one of these pfizer trials for these new like everything everything oh, interesting i just heard a big uh just heard a big, uh, Look at oh, we got a, uh, anyway, um, I don't know what was, I just heard a loud noise downstairs at my house. I'm going to pull up, uh, this is going to be hot. I'm going to pull up my, <laughs> it's on the, it's on the, uh, you're going to hear the inside of my garage right now. Let's see if there's anyone in my garage. Oh, it's not playing over the Bluetooth. That's interesting. Uh, there's nobody in my garage. Okay. Uh, anyway, I'm pro vaccine. I think the vaccine works. I think it's good. Uh, I think that I would have a, I would have had a hard time. Hang on. We're going to pause this. All right. We're back. I had to go secure secure my home turns out it was my uh my wife using the bathroom <clears throat> um okay so i think that so i'm just about i just care about data i don't care about social pressure um i care about data and convenience and so for me the early data on the vaccine looked pretty promising and i will say that it's the actual performance of the vaccine has fallen short of the early data, what the early data suggested, but I still think it's good. I've taken it three times, baby. Give me more. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not like a, a slave to the, to the booster shot by any means, but, um, I would have had a hard time getting my daughter vaccinated for COVID-19 because, uh, we don't know. I do think like it's, it's not insane to say that we don't know what the long-term impact will be. 
Um, I don't know what the like the specifics are. I know there's been speculation about fertility. There's been speculation about a lot of things. And there's a bunch of misinformation out there. I'm not even going to... But the, but to me, the deal is there's basically zero measurable benefit for kids to get the vaccine. Because for kids my daughter's age. And probably all kids. And I think, I think by the way, we're going to continue for... I mean, we're going to be... People are going to be studying this for decades. So... We're going to find out. It's this very strange thing that this just doesn't affect. I mean, my daughter was fucking like almost energized by it. Like it was caffeine in her bloodstream. It was, I mean, truly had zero effect on her demeanor, on her, on her apparent health. And the death rate among kids is extremely low. I want to say there's like 11, I think I heard there's like 11 non- incredibly immunocompromised kids who have died of COVID-19. And of course, those kids, those parents, like I feel for them, I can't even imagine. And the other ones, the, the parents of immunocompromised kids, I feel bad for them also. I also like, I think it's unrealistic to think we can, I mean, and it's it also doesn't, it truly doesn't align with our, uh, the way we treat other actually more severe illnesses for kids, the flu being one of them. Um, for people of that age, the flu is more severe. There are more flu deaths in a given year in that age range than there are, there were COVID deaths. Um, so I don't know why I'm not, I'm not, I'm not out to here to tell you that I, have done my own research. What I can tell you is that the data suggests that there's very little benefit to children my daughter's age. And then you factor in the fact that she has a past infection. She has natural immunity. And there's some suggestion that natural immunity is stronger and better than the vaccine is that I don't know what, I don't know what we're going to end up with. Okay. There's also some suggestion that the the vaccine does carry a small risk. And it's possible that in a, a child with no immunity is actually at greater risk taking the vaccine than taking than uh getting covid. And so if that's true, I'm not saying it's true. I don't actually, uh, we're going to learn a lot more about this, obviously. But now my daughter, now we don't even have to make that decision because my daughter does have a past infection. She does have natural immunity. And she has fought this thing off with no apparent impact on her, on her short-term health and hopefully not on her long-term health. Um, we did everything we could. I don't feel... I mean, everything we could and also maintain like happiness and a sense of community and, and be fulfilled people, right? Like we, uh, we were very strict in the early days. Uh, we were more strict than any of our parents. Actually, my dad was oddly the incredibly strict, uh, also, but I don't have any, we did everything we could. 
Um, apart from we did everything we could reasonably do to stop my daughter from from facing uh, this infection, and then it infected her and showed very little effect on her. So hopefully, hopefully that is true. Hopefully the uh, there's not some hidden lurking problem that kids have from. I mean, by the way, I hope there's nothing. I hope there's nothing from getting vaccinated also. And maybe as data comes in, we'll, we will end up getting her vaccinated. Also, if they make it so she can't go to daycare and she can't go to school, like we are victims of American capitalism in that regard, which is we both have to work. My wife and I both have to work. So this kid's got to go to daycare. So if it becomes an impossibility... And I also think that the risk of getting her vaccinated is very small. Then we're going to get her vaccinated. Um, but for now, while she doesn't have to be vaccinated, we're not going to get her vaccinated. And I think for a lot of people hearing this and a lot of people in the world, they would think of this as someone who is against the vaccine. But I want to make this, again, extremely clear. I've been vaccinated three times personally. My entire fucking family has been vaccinated most of them uh many of them anyway three times and all of them at least two times we are i'm not anti-vax i'm not i'm a, and i've i got all the other ones i got the fucking mmr the bad arguments that people make about uh about well you wouldn't take this but you take the like no the the you absolute like yes, I have the MMR vaccine. I got my daughter that one. You have to get them for uh, for certain things. For them to be in daycare, they have to have certain vaccinations. So the the legislation they just passed in fucking or they I don't know if they passed it, but the the what's happening in New York where kids, um, like five to twelve are going to have to be vaccinated to just be in a business, and every employee has to be vaccinated. To work, probably. I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of provisions to this, but this is like I I had a conversation with my friend Alex Kaufman, who was on the podcast, and uh, I described to him this thing that I heard, which is people say that centrists. I've I've heard this from liberals, and what they say is that centrists are actually worse than conservatives which is just the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life. If somebody agrees with you almost completely, that's worse than someone who disagrees with you completely is just such a, such a like immature view of the world, in my opinion. But my friend, Alex, I brought this up to my friend, Alex Kaufman. And, and he said, well, you think there's really someone out there, a centrist, that has just the center view on everything? And I'm like, absolutely not. That's not what a centrist is. That's a that's a bad faith interpretation of a centrist. By the way, he agreed with me once I explained it. But a centrist is not someone who thinks that everything is right in the middle. Though I do fall in the middle on a lot of things. But it's also someone who maybe has non-traditional views from, like a view that would be, say, traditionally conservative in a uh mostly liberal like on this one thing i'm i'm very conservative say or on uh this one thing if i'm a conservative i'm very liberal on it so for me this is i think this is a middle to me this feels like a middle rational thing but in the place that i live this feels like it's like a fucking far right opinion as i am 
pro vaccine insofar as I have gotten it three times. I think that the mandates that are starting to happen are becoming draconian and we are, uh, it's that, that Overton, the Overton window is shifting where suddenly liberals think that the, the heroes of our country are these pharmaceutical companies and the, uh, it's like, for example, I, I flew for the first time in, uh, 2000 the year 2000. I've only known the TSA. But when they put the TSA in or when they put the Patriot Act in or when they start stop and frisk, when they do all of these things that we now know are, I mean, at worst, horrific and discriminatory, and at best, they are misguided and ineffective. Um... But if they're around long enough, we just accept it. If we make shit bad enough in advance of them, we just accept it, right? So, like, uh, life has stunk for most of the last 18 months, 20 months, whatever it's been. And now I think a lot of people who would otherwise not think it's good to have, let's say, a huge major or a huge not majority but a huge portion of um black and brown people not be allowed into businesses not be allowed into restaurants not be allowed to remain gainfully employed there's going to uh, you know 2 years ago that would have sounded insane and now there's people who think that's the only moral answer to covid-19 and we have a press secretary who's who's laughing, who's mocking a reporter for suggesting that the United States... By the way, you wouldn't... I mean, it's just so fucking insane. So this hasn't changed my opinion. In fact, I think that the, the vaccines performed. And it's not because I pray to the altar of vaccines. I don't fucking... Um, I was skeptical of the vaccine's efficacy, and then the numbers came in. I'm skeptical. I'm, I remain skeptical that this isn't, there's not going to potentially be some rash of, you know, uh, of side effects, long term side effects for uh, some percentage, some non zero percentage of people. That wasn't enough to get me to not take it. I also think, like, uh, my daughter, you know, in a perfect world, we could wait until she had a say, but I also, don't think she has a say for a long time. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dug in on it. More data, uh, less convenience, and maybe my daughter gets vaccinated. But I, I, the, these interpretations of people's, the idea that you should be able to tell two parents, this is boring parent talk, everyone, but it's uh, the idea that you should be able to tell two parents that they must get their child vaccinated uh, with this, this new vaccine it feels intrusive it feels like a loss of liberty and a loss of freedom and that still is while i am pro i'm pro vaccine i am uh i actually don't get the i wearing a mask absolutely sucks and testing every day as a person who's done it for many days in a row now, uh, 
Testing every day sucks. It sucks. It all sucks. Getting the vaccine and being and being not, you know, not feeling great for a lot of people sucks. It all fucking sucks. Life sucks a lot of the time. I don't understand the people. I don't understand any of the justification for being anti-mask, except for the one thing that I will say is my daughter's daycare did describe why it's damaging for kids to to be around a bunch of teachers who don't have masks on and they do wear masks most of the time at my daughter's daycare but because they're i didn't think about this this is they're developing and so when you see or when kids don't see facial expressions for an entire day that's lost development i also think it's i mean fuck we're going long on this one i guess because the lack of compassion for the idea that like, I don't think that the like suicide rate outpaced the COVID death rate, but there was a, an actual uptick. Like that is undeniable drug overdoses, big uptick depression, big uptick. I think substance abuse period, big uptick. Um, does that mean we, like, we can't even have that discussion right now without stepping to some sort of extreme conclusion as the threat, if we even talk about it. So my wife is healthy. My daughter's healthy. I'm healthy. I canceled shows. Um, when I start doing shows, it will be, uh, in fact, my wife can go back to work on the 10th. The next scheduled show I will be on, I'm definitely going to go hit up some open mics to be a little, to, um, you know, get back, knock some of the fucking rust off. But my next scheduled show is, I hopefully will be doing some guest spots at Laughs Comedy Club on December 17th. Um, yeah, and everyone's healthy. And I'm grateful that we got the vaccine. I'm grateful that it exists I, uh, I do think that it's been pretty unfair the way that it's been pretty unfair and pretty bad strategy. If you actually wanted people to want the vaccine, the way that people have, uh, tried to minimize the past president's role and fast tracking this vaccine in a way that, listen, the dude doesn't run the FDA. He's not a fucking doctor. He's not a scientist. Neither is Joe Biden. Of course, uh, but this, it's a fucking tremendous feat in American history that that vaccine came out so quickly. And I took it. I took it once. I took it twice. I took it three times. And there's a lot of jokes about it's whatever, 2028. You're on your 15th booster. Um, I hope that's not the case. But it could be. Also, the 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 earliest signs on this Omicron variant. Oh, fuck. We don't need to get into this. Let's talk about something more fun. I watched this show that was great, and uh, I I realized something about it that's kind of funny. It's called uh, True Story, and um, it's called True Story. It stars Kevin Hart and Wesley Snipes, and it's a it's a drama about a comedian played by Kevin Hart, and it's very unique. It's very I, I'm ready to say it's good, 
there were points in the, it's a seven part mini series. And I'm not going to give you any details because I've recommended to uh, some, some friends of mine that they watch it. And so I don't want to spoil it in case they listen to this podcast. That's right. I'm depriving the many for the good of the few. I don't even, I'm not even smart enough to know if that is or is not a good parallel with what's going on in the world today. <laughs> but it's very, it's very good. It's, uh, Kevin Hart can act. I can confirm Kevin Hart can act. He's good. Wesley Snipes thought I hated his character, thought I hated the way he was portraying his character. I think I ended up liking Wesley Snipes. You know, these guys that make millions of dollars acting, turns out some of them are all right. But the funny thing about this show is I have asked, my wife found it on Netflix. And she's like, oh, it's about a comedian. Maybe you'd like it. And so we watched it and it was good. But the funny thing about this show is I asked my uh co-workers i've asked multiple people involved in comedy if they've seen it <laughs> and nobody had even heard of it the biggest comedian in the, in the world is in a mini series on netflix and none of these people had even heard of it and then i asked my buddy mario black guy from atlanta he's uh he's the subject of a joke of mine uh i asked him not only has he heard of it but he's watched it and it just reminded me of just how segregated comedy is. There's an entire black comedy scene around the area that I live in where people are selling out shows and I've never seen them perform. And I don't think these dudes are doing the road. I don't think they're doing, but it's just they exist and they are doing well in this, you know, fairly limited capacity. And then a couple, I mean, many years ago, I, I was at Tacoma Comedy Club, and there's this dude who I'd never heard of um, headlining. And he does 80 minutes, kills harder than I've ever heard. He sells out four shows. I ran the door for those shows. His name's Arnaz J. He's huge. Um, I've been bunk bumped four times by Mike Epps in the pandemic because when Mike Epps wants to come to your fucking comedy club, not you do two things. You book him, and then you get Casey McClain the fuck off that show. That seems to be the Mike Epps contract writer is, let's figure out where Casey McClain is featuring that date. I'm going to go headline, and I'm going to make sure he's not on that fucking show. So I got to be, I, I want to be better about it because there's there's these dudes, uh, uh, DC Young Fly and... Um, I mean, tons of, tons of dudes that are like in a different circuit of comedy than, than I'm in. And I love, uh, I said this on the, the episode about how my comedy, I want to be for conservatives. Also, I love performing in front of mostly black audiences and it's not because I even do well every time. <laughs> I, mean, I think that it's like, it's, uh, it's because I want it to be for everybody. I want my comedy to be for everybody. I don't need everyone to love me. But I, if I'm going to do those jokes, if I'm going to do jokes, I have a joke about my friend from Mario, or my friend from Atlanta named Mario. If I'm going to do those jokes, uh, I better be able to say I'm in front of black people. 
All right, let's listen to, I think we have a couple voicemails. I've made this last way longer than I wanted to. Did I get to my points? Did I get to all my points? But I kind of, I wung it. I winged it on the vaccine, vaccine or on the COVID stuff. Okay, here's the first one. Oh no, did the thing die? No, it should be, it should, we should be going. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Oh, this stinks. Let's see here. Let's get this. Let's get this paused. We'll come back with some voicemails. All right, we're back with some voicemails. Apparently, well, nobody cares about the technical shit on this. All right, here we go. Here is the first one. Are we turned up loud enough? Let's be sure. Nobody likes Casey McClain. The best thing I have to do for you, this is Chris Rodriguez, by the way. Uh, right there, I believe this uh, this man said, this is Chris Rodriguez, by the way, which is a who was a comedian who uh, started out or, or made his bones in the Seattle area and who uh, now lives in Florida, where he's from originally, I believe. He's a cool dude, and uh, I don't like the name of the podcast, so I'm going to say nothing that makes it much. So the best thing we do for nobody likes Casey McClain is say, Casey McClain's a pretty cool dude, man. I hear he's uh, happily married, keeps his wife well. He's a good member of the community, a uh, pretty funny comedian. Uh, he's a good guy, so I kind of like Casey McClain. Fuck you. Um, I like the end. I like the last, I like the fuck you at the end. Uh, Chris Rodriguez and I did a show. We did a weekend together. That's a very, it was a very interesting weekend to me because, uh, he featured and I emceed for this dude named Preacher Lawson, who he's got, he won the Seattle international comedy competition. And while he was in the Seattle international comedy competition, he did my show at Wingman Brewers for twenty dollars. I've probably told this po- the story on the podcast, but it's going to connect to Chris Rodriguez here. Um, preacher did my show for twenty dollars, and then he did. Uh, he won the Seattle Inter- International Comedy Competition. He was a, I think, a finalist on America's Got Talent. He exploded and started selling tickets like crazy, and. Chris and I, I think it was like in February ooh, of maybe like 2017, maybe. Um, Chris and I did uh, these shows with him at Tacoma Comedy Club. He sold out, however many shows he sold out, what I figured out is that I believe he grossed. So this is before he pays agents, managers, taxes, etc., he grossed like $30,000. 18 months before that, $20 at uh, Tacoma or at uh, Wingman Brewers. Some years later, 18 months later, he's uh, making 30 grand on the weekend. A couple other funny things about that weekend. It was, uh, I had quit caffeine. I was trying to like not, I never wanted to really quit caffeine. I think I'm actually at a good spot with caffeine right now. But for a while, my wife and I were drinking at least two quad shot lattes or Americanos every day. So we bought an espresso machine and that only made it worse, right? It's like if you're a heroin addict and you bring the pro- the production facility of heroin into your house, it's not going to make you do less heroin. 
So we went from probably like five days out of the week having eight shots of espresso a day. And the other, the other, and also, by the way, drinking coffee in between. It wasn't limited to, so let's say I was drinking like 12 or 13 espresso shots, espresso shots worth. Then I bring it into my house and now it's seven days a week that's happening. And I had quit caffeine maybe like two weeks before this, or maybe, maybe it might've been the weekend that I quit. And it was never going to be permanent, but I just wanted to like reset my tolerance and see what I felt like. And so for, I mean, I, I did feel better. Uh, I slept better. My, I was wearing a Fitbit at the time and my heart rate, my resting heart rate dropped by 10 beats per minute (laughs) for the month that I wasn't drinking for the, I, I went 38 days without drinking any caffeine. But that weekend was also the first time I'd ever been uh, booked and added shows. Hold on. I got to pause again because there's my wife is like slamming doors or something downstairs. I don't know what's going on. All right. So I'm, my, my wife is, I don't know, because she doesn't, she had all this COVID sleep. She's uh, just going, it's, it's fucking almost 11 at night right now. And she's going in and out of the bedroom. It's very loud. It's distracting. I'm worried that uh, my house is being broken into. I did just watch this Kevin Hart drama. Um, we also just watched the first episode of the show called The Sinner. God, these I I don't think that I like. I don't get joy out of watching these. Like uh, I did like the Kevin Hart thing. By the way, I thought it was like a tremendous metaphor for everything that being a comedian may, and maybe being a performer and maybe even just being an employee is. Being a per, a career minded person is. So let's get back to Preacher Lawson, which is uh, this weekend they added shows. And also Preacher did this thing that I thought was kind of, it's kind of goofy and kind of funny. And I don't know if he was fucking with me or not. I know that part of it he was fucking with me, which he goes, we're all going to do a new joke every show. Uh, It has to be like a brand new joke and I'm going to give you a topic. And so we got to mention this word or whatever. It was like some like. Every show has to be a little bit different. So we're going to do like, and he's like, we're going to do it. Okay. And then I would never find out until it was like five minutes before I went on stage. And then like, he would go, uh, he would go like, you know, then the next time I, he didn't do it. One of the shows. And I'm like walking out the, the door of the green room. And he's like, you got to make a joke about potatoes, something like that. And I was like, fuck. And then I, you know, tried to figure it out and I managed to write some pretty mediocre jokes about whatever potatoes ketchup it was like the most bizarre it was fun <laughs> i don't know if it made the show any better and then i uh he'd be like okay i'm gonna do it too so you got to give me a suggestion i'd give him a suggestion i think one of the nine shows or whatever he did also there was a family friendly show on the weekend an all ages show Chris is not a clean comic. I am not a clean comic. Normally, Preacher has clean openers, but we did not for this weekend. But for the family-friendly show, I didn't know it was family-friendly. I just knew there was a show added at like 4 p.m. And I walk in. We're all talking, all that stuff. I'm literally walking out to stage. And he goes, you got to be clean. But I forgot to tell you, you got to be clean. No swearing, no sex stuff. And so then I'm like, you know... I hate it in the moment, but it is like good in retrospect to get like to have to 
be like so present and I'm like thinking through my act and how can I make this joke cleaner for this one show right now? How can I subtract? What can I, what do I have to subtract to not lose the integrity that makes this a joke, but also doesn't offend truly like 11 year olds in the front row who love preacher Lawson. There was a, there was a girl that followed me from that show for like a while that I was like, Oh, she's going to hate me. And I was right. I don't know how often she used Twitter, but I remember she unfollowed me at some point, and I remember being like, this is going to be bad. You're not going to enjoy it. Don't do that. All right, let's listen to another voicemail. Um... I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you are looking for a ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. We're sorry for any misunderstanding, Mr. McLean, but all we need for your daughter's field trip is just a signed permission slip. I have no idea who that was, but that's very funny. Uh, also very funny the last episode. Oh, no, we talked about that because of this this one. I didn't play it, but uh, very funny. I don't know who you are. Give me a name, whoever you are. Very funny. Very funny. Good job. All right, and then the last voicemail will be this. Hey, Casey, got a quick question for you. So we like to use the term fucktard, and we're not really sure if that's going to get canceled by cancel culture. Just want your opinion on it because, you know, we can't say. The R word, you know, like the Washington. Oh, wait, no, the other R word. Yeah, like, you know, it, it's similar to fucktard, but, yeah. Anyway, asking for a friend. Thanks. So, yeah, I think. <laughs> That's, I do like that people are just doing bits on this. That's fun. The R-word thing was a bit. I don't know if you caught it. Uh, I do think, and I'm going to, I'm first off, you didn't include your name. I think you're the same people who intentionally didn't include your name on the last one. And if that's true, uh, I'm, again, not going to say who you are because I do think I know. And I, I've been enjoying these voicemails, so keep them coming. 253 one seven, by the way. Uh, I think the T word, I'm actually kind of interested because some people that I know who are like politically left and sensitive, I saw using the T suffix recently. And I'm not, uh, I can say, you know, I'm not offended by it. Obviously I'm not, uh, there's truly like just an absolute, nerve endings burnt off thing with me and many of the comedians that I know, which I'm not going to be offended by anything. You could say horrific things about me. I do have, I do have like, uh, things that I'm sensitive about for sure. Like I don't want comics saying bad things about my wife. And the biggest reason is my wife didn't choose to be a comic, but you want to say that my daughter, my daughter has not had the choice to, to, or not to be a comic. So, um, 
other than that, like saying stuff about me, that's fine. I don't, there's nothing that offends me. I get the people, I get people being more or being more offended than me when they're more affected by uh, mental disabilities, not just themselves, but uh, people that they love in their family. Obviously, I don't think that that's what I, <laughs> I just don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. I would say it in, in, a, in an unrecorded format. I'll admit that. I would. I don't have a problem saying it, but I, when it says it's recorded, I'm not going to say it. The FT, the Lib T, the the um, the Re T, like these are all. None of them are. I think that the T suffix is gone. I think it's off the table. Uh, for me, it is. At least, I think that we're at least headed that direction, and I'd like to at least be ahead of the curve a little bit. Now, do I think that? People should lose their jobs for having said that. Obviously not. Um, do I think that, I mean, I guess it depends if you're like a early childhood development teacher. Do I think comedians should be canceled for using that word? No. Um, I certainly think that there is a setting where it's wildly inappropriate to use. I won't use it, but it's not because I don't think anyone should be allowed to use it or because I think comics should be fired for using it. Um, it's probably, <laughs> I allowed the voicemail to play. I listened to it before I allowed it to play. Is it going to be canceled by cancel culture? I think it's already canceled. Uh, now in maybe a smaller town or among different groups, I could certainly see it not being canceled. Uh, among comedians, I think it's canceled. I did a roast show a couple years ago, and the comedian who produced the roast show has a family member with, I think, Down syndrome. I don't, I don't actually know for sure, but one of the criteria was don't make fun of or use that word. Don't make fun of this person or use that word. I was not going to do that anyway. I was not the only person on the show. So I've heard even recently some like pretty amazing insensitive jokes that that deal with that topic in a roast setting it's not my shit so uh i'm this might be too political of an answer i'm sorry for that in comedy i think it's canceled now behind the scenes are comedians also that's a word that's like a couple years ago was fine and i that's one of those things where people are like no it was never fine and i'm like no it was because comedians that I know who are sensitive to that now were using that word a couple of years ago. Many of them, the, the T suffix R prefix. <laughs> how can I, how can I put this in code anymore? Um, yeah, I don't know, but also like what comedians say in DMS and what they say when there's not a recording device in front of them. It's pretty goddamn vulgar because sometimes it's extremely funny to just say the most vulgar possible thing, uh, be it actual language or like just a wildly inappropriate thing. So am I mad at you? Is Do I think, you know, do I think that people should be fired for it? No, but I think it's, I think it's already canceled. All right. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast. Send your voicemails at 253-237-3217. Find my stand-up dates at thecasymcclain.com slash calendar. Come see me in Indiana when I'm opening for Steve Renazisi. January 21st, North Bend Theater. Tell your goddamn friends. Tell your friends to listen to the podcast. Please uh, come see me, buy merch. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you soon.